Hello and welcome to Peace of No Mind. Peace of No Mind. Peace of No Mind. Peace of No Mind. Hello and welcome to Peace of No Mind. My name is Ray Tanner. Hit us up at Peace of No Mind Show on Instagram and Peace of No Mind on Twitter. And you know what? If you like today's podcast, don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Peace out. And I want to welcome the guy like Mikey Asante, right? Yeah, well, um, if you say Mikey, yeah, it's it's because of my dad. My dad made sure I had to put in, because I got my first gold plaque. It's, okay. it's, sly, it's like I'm <laughs> humble bragging it. I got a gold plaque. Yeah, when I got my first gold plaque, my dad was like, because it just said Mikey J on it. Yeah. And he was like, Michael, where's there? Asante. Uh, so now if I say it, it's Michael, Mikey J, Asante. Can you tell them who you are and a bit about what okay. you do? Who am I? I'm a music producer, essentially. That's yeah. my main thing. A lot of people know my work with um, Kano. Yeah. I kind of started um, producing and working with him back in 2004. Okay. Which then led on to what was Home Sweet Home. A good friend of mine is one of my brothers. Say the last album I did, Romance Him. And those two were mine. Guys. Um, Home Sweet Home, the track. Yeah, I yeah. did 9 to 5. Jeez, Sometimes I might check. Five. Hey, yes. Yeah. If, I always say this. If anyone hears Kane say, yo, Mikey, more often is he than always not, referring to, to you? Yeah. People normally for that work. But I mean, the other thing, like, which is like a side hustle, which turned into a big main and probably what, I mean, what we're going to kind of yeah. talk about today is my company, Boy Blue, mm-hmm. which we started back in 2001. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, we find ourselves as associate artists at the Barbican currently. Yeah. What have you actually been on today? So prior to actually coming here, tell today. me a bit about, yeah, how, how you been? What, what's what's new at the moment? What's new yeah. at the moment? Well, I've come off doing quite a lot. Um, so it kind of has been a bit more relaxed, but we're working on this current show yeah. that we will talk about a little bit later. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've just been at the rehearsal studio today. Oh, what, all th- what is it literally yeah, since literally, this morning? Literally, we, we get in at 10 and then we leave about 6. Oh, so mad. that's kind of the main motive. I find myself in the studio later on in the evening. But essentially, you know, like, it's, it's, it's weird for me because now it feels a bit more relaxed, which is cool. Just before that, I've just finished... Um, doing Top Boy soundtrack. What, you were yeah. involved in that? So I was working Bro. on, um, working with like the actual, you know, so when you're watching the, sh- the program, yeah. seeing that sound, so all the sound that kind of puts you in the frame of mind to what's going on. Yeah. I worked on that with a guy called Brian Eno. Just finished um, as well, well, it's now coming a couple of weeks now, um, the show with Idris Elba and Kwame Kwe and Michael Tree. Okay. So I soundtracked that as well. So Tree was actually on at the Young Vic, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah Did yeah, you yeah. actually see it and did you get a chance to see it? Yeah, no, I, I made the music in oh, You well. made the music yeah, in yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so all in all... Like did you I'm get saying, a chance to see it? Did like, I get a chance to see it? I saw it too many times. But that's what it is. It's like I've kind of moved into this space where it now it feels a bit more relaxed. Plus yeah. I'm working on something that's my own. Yeah. Do you get me? Because... There are other people's visions, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then I'm complementing that with my vibe. Yeah. So right now I'm just stuck in that mode. So it's nice to just be going studio, rehearsals, and then just coming back and forth to that. Nice. And I'm glad that you found the time in between all of that to come on. So if you haven't heard the show before, one mm. thing which I ask all the guests that come on, what does a peace of mind mean to you? 
and how is it best achieved? Mine links with the fact that I make music. And interestingly enough, it's 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 weird because I've also made it my vocation and, and my, my business, so it's how I make money. Um, and yeah, nothing just beats going into the studio um, and experimentation, you know, more than anything else is the, the finding out and looking at stuff. And, and I don't know whether peace of mind is like silent. I think now it's learning. I'm really into the idea of figuring out a process either of my own or clarifying what that process looks like if I want to go teach that because like I'm um, I'm an, a professor at um, Guildhall School of Music and Drama so I teach there so if I'm going to create a process that I can teach them or give them an idea of what you know they're doing I, I kind of would like to do that so sitting down generally with some a pen pad some post-its and just writing through okay this is the idea I want to kind of transmute this is the idea that I want to show how can I do that? And then figuring out those steps and trying to clarify it to like the simplest elements. So it's totally understandable. So that generally becomes a peace of mind for me. And and I think at the same time, it's be, trying to be in as much flow as possible. So that process allows me to find flow in the sense that I stop thinking about the process eventually because now I've gone through it, I've clarified it so much that now it just becomes a habit. Mm. So more than anything else, I'm always just trying to find a way to evaluate and be better constantly. And I think that gives me a peace of mind. Jeez, yeah, now that explained it. And that, that to me was super personal to your experience. Yeah, indeed. And I think what's interesting is that what's different for everyone is that for me, music is something that people use in such a different way. And as I said, it's kind of an unfortunate scenario that I find it being my business. So that means I listen to music all the time. Mm. So it's taking a different world or a different worldview for me mm -hmm. in the sense that people might put on music to get a peace of mind people might put on you know some kind of sound more often than not i want the silence yeah do you know what i mean but then i want my thoughts mm -hmm. like it's my birthday soon Yay. and i don't want to do nothing other than just chill out yeah and everyone's going to be one ah oh, let's do silence party nah i don't want to do that i just want to do my thing read I'm right, yeah, and, and that's it. So, so how weird is that? Because it was my birthday like what a week and a half ago, and mm. people were like, "Oh, bro, I didn't get an invitation." Oh, bro, <laughs> what, what what did you end up doing? And it was like, "Nah, this was the year that I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to reflect. Don't need to be like ordering everyone to come meet right. me at and this that, bar that, and that that's bar." Getting which older is, as well. <laughs> it's got a time and a place. It is getting yeah. older as yeah, well. Isn't it? Yeah, older, probably. Yeah. Nah, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> is, I'm being like, nah, 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 nah. Obviously, you were telling us a bit in the earlier parts that like, yeah. you were involved in Kano's album and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. can you give us a little back history, just kind of your come up and your journey wow. into some of the, yeah, the work man. that you've been on and maybe even starting Boy Blue End? Because I know you guys have gone on to achieve some great stuff. Yeah, but man. In the solo, like an independent, you've done some amazing yeah, stuff man. as well. It's, yeah, it's crazy. When I think about the the journey, it is a bit, it is a bit nuts. Because to be honest, more than anything else, I've focused on the idea of, of just do, being my best self. And I know that sounds a bit cliche, but more than anything else, I've never ever tried to be anything I wasn't. I've always been involved in music and or the arts in some way. So first off, um, I would try and learn particular instruments. So when I was at primary school, I was learning violin, I was learning guitar. And then there was like a simple, um, what do you call it, school show. Yeah, and this school show was, um, what's it, Bugsy Malone. And being one <laughs> yes. of the only black youths at school, <laughs> it was like... Um, you know, there was only one role for me and that was fizzy, yeah. yeah? So the teachers were like, yeah, do fizzy. So 
I got introduced to acting, but I've been doing other school plays before and I was like, yeah, acting's hard. I want to get involved in that. Um, started doing that. Then all of a sudden, like I sang and people's like, oh, you can sing. And I was like, what is it? And then learned, figured out I could sing. Um, people also were saying as well, I was funny. Like that was the first time I noticed when I'm on stage, everyone's laughing. So all of a sudden people told me I was naturally funny. So I've got this funny thing, this new music thing and this acting thing that I'm interested in. And I just kept on following those things, mm. you know, till eventually the singing started to take even more of a turn where it was like, okay, they were like, you're good enough to go and do the county choirs. Oh, so really? I started, yes, yeah, I started doing county choirs. Quick, do you mind me asking? Was yeah. it like a bassy? Like, what, what sort of what sort of voice? Ah, came? I, was, I was a primary school <laughs> this kid. Is it. So I didn't like, know if it was one of them like aged oh, primaries. You get me? Yeah. They, them like, high notes. Yeah, like, no, yo, nah, this nah, guy's special. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, not special. <laughs> I was not special at all. I just had a nice, clean, yeah. simple voice. But then I could hit notes, and they said, "Go in." So now, when I went into the county choir, now I got introduced to harmony because, like, there was all the kids from all over the the county and it's the best kids you know so they had some of the young guys who could do like um you know sight reading and all of that so i got exposed to this new kind of rich sound of harmony and then from that singing really became a big thing for me now acting got left behind because i did acting school i did all of that you know i was going to what was carlton television at the time <laughs> and i was doing all the you know theater all these different things surrounding theater being a part of i guess um, auditions and stuff like that. But then that kind of started taking a backseat to the singing. Mm. And then that was early 90s now. And r and is becoming a big thing in the UK. Mm. Do you get me? Like, obviously, we're getting Joe to see, we're getting Aaron Hall, we're getting all of these brothers that are crooning, you know what I mean? Doing mm. what they're doing. So I started saying, yeah, that's what I want to do, innit? <laughs> started singing, singing, started taking it more seriously. Was going to, like, um, a singing uh, space up in Mare Street. And I was learning more about my voice, the sound and the textures and all of that. But in the background, there was this hunger for, like, making productions. Okay. And really, the, the idea was I was going to make productions for my singing, you know? So 14 years old. So all of this happened, and I'm probably about 15, 16, where, you know, I started doing the singing and I'm at Mare Street. But then what happens is, is I'm trying to do this production thing as well. And literally it came to me from nowhere. I was just sitting in my, a studio. My cousins was singing at the time and I just looked at everything and I was like, I'm going to be a music producer for no reason. It just was a thought that came to my head. So throughout all of this, so obviously you're saying primary school, it started with acting and then you're yeah. like, actually this could be singing and then producing. Yeah. At any point were you like, yo, actually I need to be like hone in on one of these. Right. Or... So, so yeah, that, that happened later on in life. So now... Boy Blue starts in 2001. By that time, I'm starting... Um, before that, I've, we started a group called Matrix, and so I'm dancing as well. So right now, I'm going uni and I'm working. Okay. Yeah? Um, what's actually happened is when I've got to 20 now, or 19 really, I've decided I'm not going uni no more. And I've just gone to you. Now, you're a Ghanaian redder. That's what, bro, I I've looked gone at to you my, like... Yeah, I've you... gone to my parents, your mum, dad. I'm not guys. I'm not going uni. I'm working at Topshop, yeah. yeah. And I'm holding all this denim, bruv, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Yeah, I said some other expletives. I don't know whether you could... <laughs> you, you know I mean? You could say that on your, your podcast. Well, you but, can say what you need to say, yeah, bro, but, really. Yeah, but, but yeah. what, the, what the F am I doing here? Yeah. And, bruv, it just came to me like that. The same way as I said when I was 14, I wanted to do production. It came to me like that. It's the same thing. It's like... 
this voice that just was talking to me. So that's what I was tapping into, that yeah. internal voice. At, like, exactly. were you fully tuned into that? Yeah. And you knew that was saying, like, you're not happy, something's not right. But it's, it's interesting because it was never, ever an unhappiness. As I'm saying, all of these things I'm finding myself in, like, my original point was that I'm just following my energy. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky my parents kind of looked at me. They weren't looking at what they would like for their son. Mm-hmm. They were looking at what is Michael interested in? This is who Michael is and he's different. Do you that's, know what I mean? That's a beautiful thing that oh, they did in that certain period. 100%. It's yeah. pure love that I've been brought up on in that regard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, discipline and mm-hmm. all of the things that as an African child you'd get, yeah. I was getting. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> but on the flip side, it's just like, when I walked into the room and I told my mum, I said, mum, I'm not going to uni no more. Yeah? I want to do this music thing proper. Yeah? All she said to me was, okay, Michael, just do your best. And that was it. Uh, that was it, bro. So that's 2000 now. Yeah, I'm coming into two. I'm, come, I'm going into my third year. I've done two years of uni, mm. going into my third year. Why was it that the fun? Did you not want to just kind of, in your mind, was it not let me complete this kind of it, mission? It's funny. Or like, I've got something bigger As I that said, I man, this youth just used to think different, mm. bro. Like, I look back and I'm like, what was he thinking? I can't. <laughs> really transmute it. But interesting, interestingly enough, I spoke to a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, so I've known him since I was two. And he said to me, Mike, I remember when I was speaking to you and you said to me, the one thing that they're teaching me at uni is that I got to be in it. Because that was the interesting thing. I didn't make friends at uni, not that I was a person who was, uh, you know, like an outcast or something. Nah, nothing deep like that. I just had other things doing. Mm. I was going to uni, I started my dance, I was with my friend doing the dance thing matrix at the time before it became boy blue um doing all our different things you know what i mean so i, I didn't have time to stay around and i didn't drink mm. like that's a big okay. thing you, yeah? <laughs> everyone likes to have a drink i didn't drink i didn't start drinking till i was 25 yeah yeah so i had no interest being at uni than doing that so when i left like it was just okay i'm doing this thing what i'm doing is i'm recording all the mandem yeah, I'm recording people like Lethal B. I'm calling, recording people like like from East Connection, Nasty Crew, all of that, when, where Grime is growing, yeah? A Wiley, whoever, like, whoever's there. Like, I recorded Bruiser, Gee, I recorded Rico. Yeah, hey. trust me, Demon, Gets. I'm, I'm recording all the people from the ends, right? And I'm just that guy. No one knows my productions, per se, not mm. yet. And at the time, that was Terra Danger who, who was sending mm. me a lot of his artists. Like, so he was sending me a lot of the artists he was working with, with Aftershock, and I was mm. recording them. So by Naturally, that, how did you get on the circuit, though? Is this just knowing Literally, in the area. I just recorded a couple of guys uh, from the ends, and then all of a sudden, word went round that Mikey's got the good sound. Okay. Yeah, it was like my parents' yard. Like, yeah. this, this out of my parents' yard in my, in in my bedroom, bedroom. In the wardrobe. And I'm, sharing, yeah, and I'm sharing the bedroom with my brother. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, man, like, my, my room became like this ad hoc studio. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm doing this stuff in the studio and making all of that kind of run. In terms of the story, what ends up happening and kind of bringing it to Home Sweet Home, what ends up happening is I'm in... Um, a session, and now Terra's Terra's got used to just sending the artists to me and just let me record them. And so this young boy walks in and he's recording a track with uh, Sadie Ammo called So Sure. And then I just go, yo, bro, like I got a couple of beats, like, do you want to listen? Like, he takes them. That's Kano. 19 years old, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm 19. Oh, I'm like 20 some. Yeah, but Kano was 19. Oh, yeah, he's 19. No, he's more like 17. I think he's 17, 17, 18 18, at this time. And then I give him these tracks and then they're home sweet home, nine to five. Oh. And then by 25, I had my first 
publishing deal and mm. now I've made money from the music thing because I was charging like five pound an hour bro oh is that how what is that the rate sort of like that, no just... that was the rate I was doing mm. I'm sure everyone else was doing like bro I remember one time yeah, not, not like I made a grand off the roads bro mm. just from like recording and producing people's albums but then what I didn't know is that all that time I was training mm. I was learning and and I had the opportunity to understand how I was doing what I was doing just by the trial and error. Yeah. So that's what it was. And then when I look back, 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 me sampling all of these instruments, because I, I played drums, I played guitar, I sang, you know, I did all of these, you know, violin, all these different things, the harmony and all of that, it all just transmuted to the idea of me being what I was essentially going to be, which was a producer, yeah. which means I'm going to hear all and taste all of these flavours and I'm going to make that food, do you yeah. know what I mean? So so in this time, obviously you're saying, I've decided that I'm going to focus in on producing and mm. this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. When you're like going to put the dancing thing aside, there weren't a small part of you that felt that died. As I said, it's like I've always stayed a part of those things that still interest me. So mm. obviously we've got a company now. Yeah. Company's been running out 19 years. Mm. And I'm still involved in dance. Just because I'm not on stage doesn't mean I'm not on stage with them. The music's on there. I'm still directing. I'm still kind of choreographing in my own way. I'm kind of still adding and creating, like, good elements to that help the scene, that mm. help all the things I'm interested in, whether it's grime, whether it's, um, what do you call it, whether it's hip-hop, whether it's dance all of these things are still my interest at the end of the day they're all just still my interest yeah and then so with boy blue itself mm. that was your your co-founder of boy blue yes, right, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. how did that how did that emerge so you were saying cool this is something i'm still interested in i've just smashed out home sweet home this is <laughs> stuff we got all of that we got all of the MCs. they know mikey's got the goods and now i'm gonna start this dance collective well, all of these things are kind of happening sim simultaneously yeah so by um, 2001, the company has started. Once again, Home Sweet Home was 2005. So in that five-year period, we've been building that up and I've been doing the sound for our dance company. So we kind of ended up, more than anything else, if 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 I'm totally all the way honest, we kind of, kind of revolutionised what dance was like in um, the scene because we were doing battles and then I would edit our soundtracks in a particular way, add sound effects, and people weren't doing that. They would just dance through the song from the beginning to the end. So we were just, once again, just having fun and just doing the things that we were interested in. And then and it ends up shifting and changing or at least affecting the scene that we're in. So it was literally just, you know, us man just doing what we wanted mm. and trying to see how it could pan out. Yeah. But yeah, it's all happening simultaneously. It's all growing. It's all building around what then became just music production. Yeah. You know? So then talk me through now the the moments. Obviously, this is before you've actually put on a, any production. We had done, essentially, I think, and especially what Ken had done, is we had connected with our community specifically by the idea, and I was talking about this at another talk yesterday, mm. that there was a uh, youth centre. And at this youth centre, um, to get the space is 20 quid for the hour. We want to get an hour. So we we need to at least get 10 people and two pounds to make sure that can happen, right? That's what we were doing. We knew there was people in the ends that wanted to dance. So we say, yeah, get involved. So eventually they keep on coming each week to get me. So then all of a sudden now we're doing stuff with these guys. We need to find shows for them and things for them to do. So now we start talking to other community events, situations, scenarios, whatever it is, and performing at these places. Little by little, we start to build. Then all of a sudden, we're making such a big noise um, that the Theatre Royal Stratford East go, 
oh, you, here's an opportunity for you guys to have your own show. Because we've done other mini shows. So there was another company called DRD. This guy called Ricky, actually, who was in... um. EastEnders. Yeah, of course. Uh, what, Rick, what Ricky Ricky yeah, from EastEnders? Not Ricky okay. Ricky. From, his name is actually Ricky. I think it was called Fat Boy in EastEnders. Okay. Oh, yeah, Fat Boy. Yeah, 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 yeah so yeah, Fat Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had another um, crew um, called DRD. And he used to put on like um, comedy shows, but they had like a, a variety show kind of vibe. Mm. So we used to kind of like open it and close it or do little things like that. So then that keeps on building. Do you know what I mean? Then eventually that's when they give us our own slot in at Theatre Royal. So now at that time, we've worked with the community and build with the community that that first show, bro, I'm not kidding. We put the promo out, we had to put sold out on it. Oh, because so, well, it's... everybody's aunties, uncles, cousins, everyone bought those tickets. Yeah. So now Boy Blues are a force yeah. because they're like, these boys just sold out. But was this mainly in the East or did you find that people in other like, yeah, yeah, parts of London? Yeah, people from other parts about... of London. Because, yeah, as I said, when we was when we was um, battling and stuff, mainly the main dance energy was in South London. Mm. They were killing it. Mm. Then we've come with this new vibe and this new energy. They're like, rah, look at what these youths are doing. That It's pretty interesting because obviously I'm doing the new soundtrack thing. We're thinking about tricks and flips and all of these unique kind of ways of into interacting with dance. Yeah. Um, and it's coming from an un- unorthodox kind of attitude. We don't have no formal training for any of this. And you, were you one of the lead choreographers? Well, at the time, I'd choreograph little bits here yeah. and there, but Ken was the main, Ken, and okay. is the main choreographer. Yeah. So by that time, we do that show. Then we go for a big one, because what ends up happening is a guy named Alts um, approaches Ken and goes, I would like to make a retelling of Pied Piper. Now, specifically, he wanted to kind of do it with rap and all of that. And I was like, nah. We're talking like Pied Piper, who, who got the kids yeah, away the kids, with the flute. Yeah, it's kind of a bit mad now. When you hear the story now, it's a bit Bro, mad. I remember they you played that in our primary school. It was like year six production. And yeah. I remember thinking, this is... Like, at the time, it was we were just smiling, smiling. And you go back, you're like, no, nah, that was a bit mad. You nah, know, that, that was a bit mad. The a bit taking mad. the kids, away. kids away with So, like... yeah, we made our own version of, like, what the rats would rats, have been and yeah, all of that. So yeah, they become, yeah, yeah. like... Um, the Asbos. Yeah. So they're all hoodied up and That's all of this sick. stuff, creating bad drama on the roads. Sick. And then the Pied Piper comes to kind of solve that. And everyone knows what the Pied Piper story is. Yeah. But nonetheless, we do that um, in 2005. 2006 or 2007, I can't remember which one, it wins an Olivier Award. Yeah. So now everyone's like, raw, like, this thing is a real thing. And it's like a first time dance has been presented in this hip-hop fashion to this kind of community in this way. And it's the first one to ever win an award. But like at that. this time, did you not know we have something? We yeah. were just trying this thing out. We didn't have no formal training, no true understanding of what we were doing and how we were doing it, and no real perceived journey to where yeah, we come twenty twelve now. Mm. We are, we're we're doing the Olympics. Mm. You know that was that's wild. They, you know, Danny Boyle called and Danny Boyle's a good friend now. Danny Boyle calls up Ken and goes, um, yeah. You know, I've heard about your work and everything that you do. By this time, Pied Piper now has moved to the Barbican. It's just chilling at the Barbican. Does his two <laughs> weeks. They bring us back now for another month. They say, can you do the Christmas run? Okay. So we do a whole month. They make us associate artists. We then continue doing our work. But then, yeah, Danny Bo just one day called. And as I said, the community is where our main energy is. Mm. That's what we're still doing. That's what we're still up to. If anything, shows like, you know, Red that we'll, we'll talk about today is kind of like highlights to say we, we can still create great work. So come and train with us. Because yeah. really we want new, fresh and young talent to kind of come through. So there's something really important about the community that you're talking oh, about 100%. throughout this all. Like having 100%. rooted... Like, 100%. the roots itself is, is the thing that sets you apart and gives you the energy and well, the, the life source. I hope so. I hope so. But, yeah, you're right. The source is the, is that because 2012 comes. Yeah, when we do 2012 with, with Danny, he goes to me, would you come in and help 
choreographed this element. I wanted to do this part, and it was called Thanks Tim. Basically, Tim Berners-Lee, the guy who gave the internet to the world. We're kind of he's a British man, and not, not many people know that, but we're going to celebrate him. So we we create that story, and um, yeah, it's like we had four thousand people. So you take away eighty from that. Yeah, 80, no, it's 40-something, I think it was, that are professional dancers. Majority of them, we've been teaching them since they were 14 years okay. old. Do you know what I mean? It's, yes. it's that kind of process yeah. where we're seeing our guys then take us on to do the big or the professional or, you know, the, the uh, extra kind of curricular activities to what Boy Blue does as itself. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's totally linked in the community and it's based on, yeah, where our energy takes us. Less, mm -hmm. a, less about, because every time you've asked me, it's like, I've never had, I've never had a mastermind plan. Yeah. I've just kind of responded to the situation and what my interests were. Because I think that's what wins all the time is our enthusiasm for what we're doing as opposed to the idea of this is a move that man can bust mm. and get X, Y, Z out of it. No, we literally have just been focusing on how we want to be the best selves, you know. In so do you deep. think then that, that the fact that without a master plan that could work for some, or is it more so your understanding within your life that you go in and being flexible has allowed you to yeah. be in these places? It, it's, it's more the idea of being flexible. Essentially, I'm probably, Ken, Ken will tell you, I'm more the business mind of, of the company ken's more you know the the pragmatic practical element and without both of those entities i don't think we'll be who we are because maybe i might procrastinate an idea because i'm thinking over it and ken will just say nah let's go in there you know and get in it with nuts and bolts and and so that rough and smooth kind of approach to how we're dealing with things complements yeah, each other and you know now man is older We've got different things on the line. We've got staff. We've got all kinds of things that we've got to think about. Yeah, then you've got to be business savvy. Yeah. So there is some some element of our energy taking us, but then also at the same time, you have to be strategic, especially that, where money's involved. And that energy got you to the place now exactly. where you can allow yourself to be like, from experience, I can be business exactly. savvy with what I've and, learned. And, and also at the same time, the, the there wasn't the fear. There wasn't the fear of to, to try, to try and do something and it might mess up it might not and more often than not it hasn't you know mm. or it's put us into a space that we never even considered because as i said i had no idea that kane would go and do on go on to do what kane's doing yeah but i just liked how he spat and i had these records and i just gave them to him you know and the same with ken ken wasn't like the best choreographer and or dancer he was just a, one of my friends from school he wasn't interested in all of that my whole story that i gave you he saw it from when we were 12 and he used to come to my shows yeah. He used to come and see me, see what I was doing, you know. I'll do comedy shows, I'll do singing shows. He'd just come, he'd just be a bystander. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, bang, he decides he wants to be a choreographer. Boom, he's like MBE now. Yeah, so yeah, you're in the Olympics now, yeah. like in Stratford as well, the home yeah, of where man. the stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. started, bro. Like, mm. those feelings there, what, was that a magical moment actually watching it on TV? Where were you? Were you front and back, right and centre? Bro, so obviously on the, um, the opening, I wasn't there. Mm. We, it was more for the people who have bought tickets to kind of see it and everything and people have bought tickets from time but we were there for the dress okay um and the dress was pretty much the show you know what i mean um changes were being made still <laughs> like, like there was a change that was made the day of but by that time i'd given it over so i just enjoyed the day so to speak the, the moment that was epic bro was my parents bro oh. my parents have come from ghana man my mom came here when she was 19 years old she married my dad and like they he brought her over when he settled and you know, he had, my dad had one moment where he was at work and I'd given them, they, they gave us two tickets, uh, which were like for the dress. 
And so I gave it to my parents, obviously. And my dad has to take it at work. And they said, oh, how'd you get that? And he said, ah, you see, yeah, you know, you had the opportunity to feel proud. So that one was, was nice, bro. Mm. You know, my mom called me and we was in the stands. We was in like a special area. They were in like in the, the regular kind of spot. Still. Yeah, still. Still, you, know? you were there but, for the dress. Yeah, yeah, bro. yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. My mom yeah, yeah. called me and she's just like, oh, yeah, Michael's really nice. And so that's what was crazy is that it made me... It made moments like that day when I said to mom, I'm going to do this music thing, mean so much more. It's like, look what I'm doing. These decisions I've made has made these people proud, yeah. you know, and not only proud, it's given them something that they feel like, yeah, mm. you know, everything that we've done and everything that we strive for has, you it's, know. It's, it's not in vain. Yeah, and we gave you vain. the faith. Looking on music and all of those things, not to, not to sound like mad cocky, but it's like, that's what you're meant to do. If you're a professional... That's what you're meant to do. It's more how you affect people that matters to me the most. Mm. You know, and I, I teach that all the time. I'm like, yeah, you're a performer, you're doing what you're doing. If you can affect just one person with your performance, that's all that matters. Yeah. You know, and I know probably people have heard that before. But sometimes you can make the, the job too big. Yeah. And just knowing my parents were there to kind of witness that their son was involved, it's crazy. Like, I forget sometimes. Yeah. So, man, if we move forward a bit, because mm. this, now you've, lot, you've you've obviously finished the Olympics, your names are ringing on the streets, Boy Blue, and it's like, yeah, okay, these are reputable, yeah. they've worked in this. Mm -hmm. How did the first production, was it white? Black, white, grey. Black, white, grey. That grey. was our, I think that would be so, Pied Piper, we did one called Over the Edge. We did another one called um, The Five, which was like a manga, hip-hop, Shaolin mashup. It was pretty <laughs> sick. Um, that did pretty well. And then we did Black, white, grey. And Black, white, grey... Funny enough, was, I can't remember when we made it. It's like four or five years ago now. That was kind of a mini protest in the sense that people would see hip-hop dance as something that is for kids or something that wasn't very sophisticated. It's kind of still kind of has its roots in rawness and, you know, the classic downtrodden story of, you know, when you watch like Step Up or any of those kind of, the same kind of story, we've mm. got to save the X, we've got to save the Y, <laughs> you know? So we wanted to flip the, the script with the black, white, grey thing and really bring it into a space of what we class as sophistication, but still keeping it locked in the roots of hip hop. Mm. And so that, what were some of the deeper questions that you had like underlying black, Yeah, white, so grey? black, white, grey is definitely, it's, it's autobiographical for me in the sense of my experience as number one, a black man in the UK, uh, and that of a black man of the world. Because during that time, the Black Lives Matter movement is growing. Um, the police brutality situation is a madness, you know, at this point, especially in the States. Then everything that I've been through as a young man, all of these things kind of transmuted into that show. And that show has five different elements, and I always don't like to spoil it, just in case, you know, it has the opportunity to come back to the UK at some point, because right now it's touring, it's doing its thing. The idea of, of what is self, you know, and who are you in and amongst everything that is trying to tell you who you are. Mm -hmm. So a classic one is just that of the internet and, and you know, the fact that we all have mobile phones and those things are just like a funnel of information of what you should do, what you should look like. These are the kind of aspirations you should have, you know, and trying to get out of this cycle of control because essentially that's what the show kind of begins with. It begins with this space of control. And then we Straight see... jackets and yeah. stuff. Yeah, oh, yes. And then, you know, there's things about slavery, both of the mind and that of our ancestors. Um, and obviously the idea of just control in the sense of how you're meant to perceive the world from an outside force. Then it gets more internal with what is grey, uh, which is more dystopian kind of war kind of fight. And that's more of a mental fight in the brain, you know, trying to 
like the the first character that comes out, he's sliding on his back, but like he's, you know, um, an army man. He gets up and then there's this light that just comes and it, it's big and it gets smaller and smaller till eventually it kind of goes, uh, shakes and pushes down on him. Mm-hmm. And it says the word sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, the whole idea of trying to stay woke. Yeah. At that time, it was also a big kind of idea. Yeah, so yeah. The, it was trying to make him go to sleep. So eventually it's pushing him down he, and eventually he gets stronger and stronger till it happens again. And they don't affect him. Yeah. Because the first time it hits him, it puts him to the ground. And that's just the idea of me trying to break my mind out of the idea of trying to do or be what people think or the world thinks you need to be. Did you have to ask yourself these questions yeah. themselves? Because these are powerful points. But yeah. did you have answers when you were asking yourself of like well, what is the world trying to enforce on you? Who yeah. are you away from the world? Yeah, I think I think to kind of talk about that briefly is it's just it's the fact that when, we, when I was growing up, as an African child, the things that we were... It's lucky that, as Ghanaians, first and foremost, we have our land, yeah? I'm guessing you've been home, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it was interesting growing up and being told or watching TV and then you're saying, please, help Kwame. <laughs> For just £2 a month, Kwame uh... can... Up, blah, blah. You know what I mean? You're seeing flies on his face and all of that. And this is the idea. This is... The f- what they say Africa looks like and this is what African is. Now, you walk into space, you say Africa. That's the first image people have on you. You know what I mean? So it's that. That was the first thing. It's like people see Africans as some kind of backwards, third world, la, la, la. The other aspect was this. I remember being at school, learning about Egypt, but never, ever feeling that sense of Africa and me being connected to that Africa. Yeah. Do you understand? Because Egypt's in Africa. Mm. But the way the world has told us Africa to look is number one, I said, cross your core bellies, yeah. flies on flies on lips, flies on eyes, or whatever. Yeah. And then you've got this other aspect where it's just like all of a sudden, there could be a potential line that exists with me, myself, and that of Egypt. Mm. So that was like a big clarifying moment that all these things were being told. And what is my history? What is my DNA in terms of my life story? And what does that look like? Mm. And so we see that unpacking or that unpeeling of that self black white gray kind of you know the main thing as i said was trying to show people that hip-hop can live in a sophisticated and you know just be as powerful as any other form of dance which is contemporary or ballet yeah and then the other aspect is yeah you know there is a journey a personal journey and story about identity about the idea of who you are as a person both in terms of you in the world and you as your history. Yeah. So that's what Black, White, Grey kind of And th- that was on. that actually resonated with a lot of people because of the reviews 100%. bang. The reviews bang. Yeah. That was the stuff. So I didn't actually get to see yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. when I was looking up articles and some of the, the press and stuff, it was like five star, five star, five star, yeah. international touring. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you notice that when you went cross-culturally, mm. people were still like, yeah, exactly. this is powerful. Because that's what Red has kind of, allowed us to kind of transmute now the idea of we're creating stories now which are about the human experience yeah so that was about self-growth and or uh, identity as i said and then this one is about irreversible loss and yeah. what that kind of feels like and looks like that's what red is kind of focused so on. since we're talking about red mm. talk us through like so it's, it's it's the idea of how you cope with is it grief or loss or is it some however you interpret that? yeah so essentially we've kept it open in that way because i believe that people deal with and go through things in so many different ways but irreversible loss i think encompasses everything we're trying to talk about we follow a specific line and if there's any, anyone's able to see it 
we want you to, to, to experience it and for you to put your story on it. Because I think the power is in people trying to find themselves in the work. But did you go in with the theme of like, look, irreversible loss, this is what this new piece is going to be about? Or what, how did that like start unfolding in your mind? Was it like, we're creating something new? And to me, like, explain to yeah, me that process. The, well, for me, from a music point of view, I did kind of clarify the musical style I wanted to use. So the musical style I'll be using this time around, because Black, White, Grey was more African kind yeah. of inspired. Um, this one is more lo-fi hip-hop kind of inspired. So I've always felt that the lo-fi hip-hop, specifically from a Jay Diller or from a Mad Lib or any of those, you know, even a knowledge, like the sample-based kind of producers, it's more soulful. And I feel like when we're talking about stuff which is about, you know, irreversible loss, we're talking about situations that people are going to be feeling low or you might find in dark spaces. I felt like sonically that adds to the vibe because it's it's the process that we're trying to describe and talk about is less about um, you winning and or it being hard or soft. It's about it touching your soul. And that music for me is soul music, mm -hmm. you know? Even though I, I guess I'm going to try and give it some dynamics so it's still dramatic, I still wanted it to fit in that lo-fi head nod space. And there's also a part of me wanting to keep it in that head nod space because a lot of hip-hop dance now is starting to move more contemporary-based, mm. like where they're not dancing to beats as much. They're dancing to sound mm -hmm. and or soundscapes because I think they want to try and fit certain things so i want to try and show once again we can do this hip-hop thing still be authentic but then move in that way but also with my musical angle was that i wanted there to be a juxtaposition with this what's on the stage and what the sound is saying and that juxtaposition hopefully it's going to be a nice blend it's a weird mm. way to kind of look at it but there was that music angle yeah but then the narrative angle more dance where the dance is concerned was more of a organic process of unpicking, um, trying things, building on things, and then seeing what our story kind of came, what came out of it. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, this one is based more on Kenrick's kind of past. Okay. So we've taken, he's allowed us to kind of take some of his past elements, feelings, and emotions and place them into the show directly. So was he quite raw and open and honest with like, all right, cool, this is yeah. what I've experienced in my life. Yeah. And this is how I maybe want it portrayed yeah, on stage. Yeah. And I've kind of had, had the opportunity to kind of mould it a little bit from a dramaturgical point of view to really kind of say, okay, this is how we should focus on trying to say this story. Mm -hmm. um, but then also at the same time, you want the performers to also add their own personal elements to it. So mm -hmm. that's what it's all been. It's been one big cacophony of yeah. people's emotions and feelings surrounding what irreversible loss kind of looks like. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think, say, for example, anyone who's listening was like, all right, cool, I need to see Red. Mm -hmm. What do you think they can find themselves experiencing if they were to go into the Barbican? Yeah. I think the, the aim Someone is... who isn't an avid dance yeah. follower yeah, or yeah, yeah. who goes to anything which is choreographed shows... For sure. The, the aim, I think, for me and, and for us as a company is to, number one, entertain. Uh, we, we kind of have three E's, like educate, entertain and enlighten. We want people to kind of come out of that space and feel like hopeful because irreversible loss is something that we all are going to suffer and or have suffered before. Maybe it's a, a loved one that you've been with or whatever, and then you've had a broken up relationship. That thing, you know, you guys break up. That is a process that you might grieve, that you might, you know, 
think about and it might affect and change you. But the point is, is that all of these things are just all part of an experience to the idea of you being you, mm. you know? And we want people to kind of come out of that energy and feel like, yeah, you all of these things don't define where you are going. Mm. They should just allow you to say, this is who I am. This is part of the energy and the, the things that I've understood to tackle the next set or part of my life. Yeah, And that's really what the show... We're at trying the to, core. Yeah, like the core. To, yeah. Because, you know what I mean? We, we could easily make it dark. And I mean, if you look at the, the promo picture, it, it, the promo picture is of, of a a guy falling, but he's holding a balloon. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And the balloon a is balloon. obviously... A red balloon. And the balloon is obviously trying to hold him up. Mm. But maybe the key for dealing with anything is to let your body flow and fall into it. So that's really what we're trying right. to say with this work. Yeah. And do you find that you have been asking yourself questions again? Like when 100%. you're seeing this and it invokes certain emotions and you're like, oh, cool, I haven't yeah. really, or you know what, I've kind of put that aside yeah, exactly. and I didn't really think about life yeah. like that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what we have to do with the work. We have to trigger those spaces and those emotions. Mm. But the other aspect is that we shouldn't hide from them. I think specifically as black boys as well, black men, where, where vulnerability exists, we try not to let that show. And all of those things can and will eat at you if you don't focus and you don't, you know, work on it. And that's what we're trying to say. He's holding up this red balloon because he's trying to stay in that space. I'm not, no, I'm not falling. I'm not, nah, sometimes you might have to fall. Sometimes you might have to put yourself in that deep, dark space to really get yourself out of it to see the light. Mm. And I know it sounds really, really cliche and it sounds really, really normal, but it's just that simple that there is going to be these low points, these depressive moments, these, you know, hard spaces that you're going to have to deal with in life. But the key is not always all the time just to fight back on it. Mm. And that's what you can see the character's doing in this. He's fighting the idea of falling, mm. you know, and sometimes that fall is going to teach you more than... You know, you're actually flying all the exactly. time because you haven't really experienced exactly. the raw emotions exactly. of life. And to be honest, it it's what makes us dynamic and it's what makes us unique and fresh. And the idea that there is going to be some adversity that we might have to go through, mm. it makes you sparkle, in my opinion. It makes you, you know, because now you can walk into a space or a certain uh, person or you can talk to someone with some real core value, strength and knowledge about what it might feel like or what it might look like. And that's what we need as a community, um, you know, as, as people anyway, more times that we talk about these things, more times that we're actually putting it out there. I always say as, as Ghanaians, you know, our parents might go funeral every week. It's not that they don't, they know the person they're going to funeral yeah. for. No, it's just the fact that for us as a, a community, that's what we do. Yeah. Funeral is something you're going to support. Support, people. yeah, financially, even body, food, anything food, that is that you exactly. need. And there's don't some worry, people that to... might never, ever kind of deal with that until it's someone close to them. So they never, ever think about the idea of being in that space. I'm constantly thinking that. The reason why I've done majority of what I'm doing is because I'm always thinking, Mike, one day you ain't going to be here. Yeah. And, and it sounds like a morbid thought, but it's also the truth. So... I, I stay happy, I stay hungry for what I need to do and what I want to do because I know that that element is behind me. Chase, it's just going to catch up with me and touch me on the shoulder one day, you know? And and we should be able to just talk about it. We should be able to say, yes, yeah, it's, it's a dark, fearful space, but there's no reason why we can't. 
you know, because it's an eventuality, it's an inevitability, it's something that's just going to happen. Yeah. And so you might not be ready for it. The more that you decide to kind of touch that space, it will transform how I think you will look at your loved ones, your life, the way you kind of consider what you're doing, the time you're spending, the time where you're, you're spending, spending and what you're doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's exactly. And, that. and that's what that has, our parents going to funeral all the time has always made me think, rah. You know, man's got to think about this. Man's mm. got to do something. Man, man's got to have something that's solid. Yeah. You know, and even if it's for, I don't have no kids yet, but even if it's for my kids to leave something behind, mm. you know, I've, I know I've got this far. I've got a legacy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That you, exists. You definitely have a legacy, yeah. bro. And I, and you I, definitely have a legacy. At least I've got some PRS that they yeah. can pick up. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's always going to be there. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that keeps me motivated. So touching this space, yeah. like you said, is hard because we've had to go into elements of our dark spaces to kind of make that work yeah and i probably won't make another piece of like work like, like this because it, it took you it took yeah, you places it takes yeah. you places and, yeah. and you've had to ask and talk about some really you know hard things but more than anything else the, the truth that we're able to talk about and we're able to celebrate it in this show yeah is, is awesome for me oh bro you are the sickest from the 26th of september yeah. to the 5th of october and at the barbican right yeah. and then there'll be another um, um showing at croydon um which called Fairfield Halls as well. Okay. If people miss it there. I think the dates. Croydon, 19th yeah. of October, 2019. Yeah. Fairfield Halls. Yeah, that'll be at the, the Dance Umbrella as well. So, so obviously they could go go on the Barbican website. You can purchase tickets through there or 100%. they can walk in and potentially 100%. purchase tickets yeah, through yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mad. Hey, where can people find you if they just want to keep up well, with what, what you're making, what you're creating? Do you yeah. use, are you onto any socials? Nah, or? man. I, I kind of stay off the socials only because like it's a little bit of a distraction for me. I do have one. So you can jump on MikeyJ.net. That's on um that's M I K E Y J D O T N E T. That's on Instagram. Yeah. But more than anything else, um, the Boy Blue website is there, www.boyblueent.com. Yeah. So that's boyblueent.com. Um and then yeah, you know, you can get in contact with me via via that in any way, shape, or form. Cool. But hopefully you come see the work. Bro, I'm, and def- then come I'm definitely find me. there, bro. Just come de- find even me, if I leave, I'm me. there like just shaking up. Everyone's like, what's happening? It's like, yeah. no, I just seen red still. Bro. Yeah, yeah, man. No, this is what I'm <laughs> saying. I mean, more red. than anything else, you know. Uh, wherever I am, I'm always ready to talk to people or yeah. if they want to find me. I would give my email, but I think that's a bit <laughs> No, it might a be a bit mad. too, bro, but yeah, I'll yeah. take that on the lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool, But cool. all right, cool. Because we almost wrapped up the show, bro, I want to ask you three questions. Okay. And first one is, what's the happiest day of your life? Bro, dude. <laughs> that's like a big question, man. Happiest day of my life so far. You know what? Only because it's a recent one. I made a show, um, a mu- just a pure music show, um, called Outliers. Um, and I did that at the concert hall um, in in the Barbican a few or well, two years ago now. And bro, I bowled my eyes out because I never ever thought I could achieve anything like that. My dad, my 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 parent, my family was there, you know. And it was so overwhelming to be able to create work like that and people just come to see and hear and listen to my music. Um, so that was definitely... One of. One of. of that, yeah. yeah. But it's, I just say that because it's a recent one. No, and that, that again, is where you just naturally yeah. felt to go to yeah, straight yeah. away. Mm-hmm. All right, second question. What's something that overwhelms you? Ah, <sighs> What overwhelms me? I think sometimes the pressure and the idea of what everything we've just described then pro- creates expectation. Do you know what I mean? There's an ex- I'm still just a man. Like, I'm still just a human. Um... I'm lucky enough, and and for me, luck is not luck like this thing that just you know yeah. happens. It, it's it's like luck is opportunity and readiness linking up. 
And when they connect, that's luck. And I stay lucky. Like, the point is, I stay, <laughs> yeah. I stay prepared. And I still keep on always trying to push myself into those places. So it just gets overwhelming, I think, the idea of there's a pressure because there's eyes on you. There's And don't think just because I've said everything that I'm saying that I don't feel those emotions. You know, there is always... When you're trying to be... Someone told me once that we, Boy Blue, specifically myself and Ken, are mavericks. When you're trying to stay ahead and you're trying to run a, run forward, you just feel the pressure and the weight of trying to make sure you represent. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Number one, the community. Number one. Number two, my family and my friends. And, and, then, and then myself and the work. It's got to be of a standard, you know? So, yeah, that's overwhelming sometimes. Oh, mad. And the third and final question, what's the best piece of advice that someone else has given you? Bruh. It's my mum. My mum said, Michael, just do your best. Huh. If you just focus on that, you know what I mean? Your best might not be someone else's best, but it's yours. Do you know what I mean? So if you know you're doing your best, that's it. And that's all I've ever tried to do. I've never, ever tried to say, I'm going to stunt on this person. I'm going to mash them up. You know, that's for the rappers that I've recorded. <laughs> they want to battle this, battle that. You know what I mean? That's for them, man. There. But for me, I've always tried to say, no, I want to give the best service. I want to give the best element of what I'm doing because you just do that more often than not the word spreads and that's what happened to me back in the day the word spread Mikey's got the best sound so more than anything Mikey still has the best sound uh, <laughs> hopefully I have one of the best sound there's a couple of guys still doing Coming their thing, in, yeah, 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 and um, yeah bro like just if your your best will change year on year the more and more you progress and build yourself as whatever you need to be and that's not from an artistic point of view or a creative point of view. That's if you're working in, in a nine-to-five job or whatever. <laughs> Just put your all into it. If it's yeah. your best, then, then yeah, you know what I mean? You're not lacking yeah. because someone can even feel that. And that's what it is. It's, it's being authentic to that. I still don't even think I've scratched the surface. Nah, but there's, I'm like, there's, there's lots there's, more. There's I mean, I tried stuff, to give you bro, a brief history. Lived, you've got experience yeah. in you. And this is, to me, like I said, I'm looking at you and I'm like hearing the stories and hearing how you've yeah. kind of manoeuvred through it. But hey, thanks and all the love. No problem, hey, And for the rest of you guys, peace out. Big up.